Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning, our lines are open. Bernie taking your calls and comments right now, 0818-103-103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Always email across the show, corktoday at c103.ie. And ahead this morning, maternity care campaigners are still calling for restrictions to be lifted within maternity hospitals. Now, you would think at this stage that everything was lifted and guidance was changed back last summer. And with the mask wear mandate ending soon, restrictions in maternity hospitals still remain. So we're going to speak with Linda Kelly shortly. She's from Glanmire and we spoke to her initially at the start of the various lockdowns over concerns that they had where partners were not allowed into maternity hospitals. She now since has formed the group Better Maternity Care. We'll speak with her this morning on those restrictions that still remain for one reason or another. We'll discuss that more. Your views are welcome on that or your stories even if you have been affected by this over the last while. And also interest rates are going in the right direction. That is if you're about to draw down your mortgage at the moment or within the next month. Uh, But if you have a mortgage already, the interest rate hikes are still to come down the line from the ECB. Uh, But if you're lucky enough to have money in the bank then and you have money saved, well, it's bad news for you because the rates are not favouring savers at the moment. We'll find out more with Derek Cassidy from Bonkers.ie and also inflation news uh, was released yesterday evening showing that there's an increase on food prices year on year. Uh, We'll discuss that as well and how that impacts with all the various rate changes we are seeing at the moment. And we heard yesterday from the INTO, the teacher union, and they are holding their conferences across this week uh, showing their concerns to do with the cost of living and indeed the housing crisis affecting teachers. Well, the Association of Garda Sergeants are also concerned that the current conditions within the Garda Force are not attracting new members. Even though there's a huge campaign underway at the moment to recruit people to Garda Shikana, it's not really working for them in the way they thought it would. So we are going to speak with the AGSI this morning on their concerns and what needs to be done. I mean, we have heard firsthand from Gardaí on the ground and indeed sergeants here in the Cork area who feel that Gardaí now are more like office workers. They're 
putting too much emphasis on paperwork within the Garda force. They're sitting inside of their office desks, whereby many of those who join the Garda and many in the force would want to be out and about on the beat, but they're not able to do that. More concerned about getting the office work done. And then there's the issue of if a, a guard arrests someone or someone commits a crime, if there's a report on that guard, well, then it's sometimes guardy you feel that they're the ones in the wrong and not the person who has committed a crime and it's going to court in some cases regarding that crime. So there is a big issue there within the forest and we'll discuss that later in the programme. We're going to hear why Bantry is aiming to become a dementia-friendly town. Now, Dungarvan was one of the first towns in Ireland to achieve this. Bantry now aiming to become one in West Cork. We'll speak with those from Bantry this morning. We're also going to head to the movies later with Mark and if you're a parent and you're juggling work life and home life, uh, well, we're going to speak with one parent who was in this and still is in this situation. And because family were far away, uh, they decided to set up an online grouping to chat and get advice from like-minded parents. So we'll speak uh, with that person later in the programme. Sasha will join us on why indeed she decided to go and set up an online grouping and how it helped other parents without being judgmental. And it is hard if you're working in a busy job and then you are rushing home or indeed rushing to collect the child from school and then bring that child to an after school activity uh, be that in connection with the school or it could be football, hurling, rugby, soccer, music, whatever it is uh, that all has to be carried out while you still try and juggle your work and as you know work is no longer a 9 to 5 for many uh, jobs so that and more to come between now and one and your views are welcome uh, you can call Bernie 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 with a lot of emails into the show as well and I'll get to those across uh, the programme today uh, but I'm sure at this stage a lot of you would have seen the coverage around Joe Biden's visit the President of the United States yesterday as he addressed both houses of the Oireachtas and Caherlock of the Shannish of course the Bishopstown's Jerry Buttimer welcomed him and he also spoke after Joe Biden's address in the Dáil Chamber and I think what's coming out from this whole visit is uh, Joe Biden himself he's just really proud of his Irish roots now we mentioned yesterday about what he said in that pub in Dundalk and the US president made reference to his mistake yesterday when he said Ireland beat the black and tans at rugby. This is what he said in the Dáil Chamber yesterday, first of but all. I always have a little bit of Ireland close by, even when I'm in Washington. In the Oval Office, I have the rugby ball signed by the Irish rugby team, the ball the team played when they beat the All Blacks in Dublin so he corrected himself and identified that he did say the black and tans and not the all blacks and Dundalk. But then, I mean, many of you at this stage will have seen all the coverage and are aware of what was said. Uh, so we decided again to look at the international coverage and how his visit is being perceived across the world. Well, uh, the United States, a lot of their channels are covering this, as you would expect. Some asking, though, in the States, why is he spending four days in Ireland? And then again to the UK, where they continue on some channels to hone in on the fact that he spent so little time in Northern Ireland and some reporters were saying yesterday evening on UK television uh, that the president was on time for every engagement in Northern Ireland but in the Republic of Ireland 
he was two hours late for most engagements and they felt he was enjoying his time more in the Republic. And then there was a lot of reaction to this from the president who was addressing the Doyle yesterday when he mentioned about peace in this country and the Good Friday Agreement. Take a listen to this. Peace is precious. It still needs its champions. It still needs to be nurtured. As the Taoiseach and I have discussed, including last month in Washington and again today, how Ireland and the United States can work together with the United Kingdom and the European Union to support the people of Northern Ireland. I think, I think that the United Kingdom should be working closer with Ireland in this ever. Now, that did uh, cause a stir in the UK when he said working closer. If they said just working with the UK would have been fine, but working closer with Ireland uh, did cause a lot of the UK press to jump up and take note of this because many openly admitted at the start of their news bulletins that the visit of the president to Ireland was down their ranking line in their coverage. And it rose right back up after he said that comment. But it was ITV News who were different. And they said that this is President Biden's way of addressing the UK uh, basically to take off the kid gloves and actually tackle the DUP to get back into Stormont and get the Assembly up and running. And reporters felt the UK government were giving in too much to the DUP. So not all UK channels were on the same theme with the reporting, but ITV News really did put it back to the UK government after what Joe Biden said in the doll yesterday, claiming that if you look into this, you still have a situation with no one sitting down across the table in the north and should London be doing more? And of course they should be. And that is why ITV News have reported it in that way and have really put it back to the UK government and indeed others who may have decided to go in a different route, a different angle there in the UK. Anyhow, that's some... of what was happening yesterday with the presidential visit. And today, of course, he goes to his ancestral hometown of Ballina in County Mayo. And Ernie Caffrey has a, a gift for him waiting there. And basically the gift is a brick. And it's a brick from the left that was left, obviously, in Ballina. It's from the home where the Bluets lived before they had to leave for the famine to the US from Ireland during the famine time. So that will be presented to him today. And then there's a museum in Ballina and the big sign outside the museum says who would have thought Mayo would bring home a US president before another All-Ireland? Well, there you go. Uh, that's some of the uh, reaction to President Biden's visit to Ireland, which has been uh, shown right across the world and hopefully will have a positive impact, many are saying, for tourism from those who travel from the United States of America. And then while all that was going on, Ralph Regal is writing today in the Irish Independent, and this is another update on the Kerry Baby story. And Ralph uh, writes that a dead man linked to the couple arrested on suspicion of the murder of baby John in Kerry may prove crucial uh, to determining what action is taken over the killing. Now, Gardaí at this stage are satisfied the arrested couple were the parents of the murdered newborn after obtaining DNA samples during their detention. Uh, however, it has emerged that the death of a man within the past five years who had a family link to the couple could prove crucial in the decades-old Garda investigation. Now, the man was understood to be in the Kerry area around April 10th to April 14th in 1984 when baby John suffered fatal injuries and the infant boy, as you're well aware, was found dead on a Kerry beach 39 years ago today. And many people wondering uh, what would have become of that 39-year-old man now if he was alive? Would he be still living in the Kerry area? Would he have moved to nearby cities like so many do, like Cork or indeed Limerick? Or would he have gone abroad? Uh, 
Uh, we'll never know because of his death, but the investigations still ongoing there uh, in Kerry with regards to that ongoing story of over 39 years. And something else I spotted this morning, and it's an ad. It's a job advert, but it's from Cork City Council. And so many people that come to Cork when they go on a night out, the one thing they say, and if you travel from county areas and take a night out in the city and you stay over, or if people come from Limerick or Clare or Dublin or Belfast or from other uh, areas across the world, everybody really says the nighttime economy in Cork is a feel-good factor. It's booming. It works well. One of the reasons, I suppose, is a small city, you can get, to different areas of the city centre with just a five or or a ten minute walk and each area has its own uniqueness. So some areas will cater for different types of music and you obviously have different areas in the city uh, that apply to maybe a food kind of regime where some streets have more restaurants, some streets have more bars and because of that it's just easier uh, to get around and now you have the the newer type uh, in the city of streets where have been pedestrianised, opened up where people can sit out and enjoy themselves when we do get the weather during the summer uh, rather than being sitting inside in a bar. So with all that going on, they want to drive and support more sustainability into the nighttime economy in Cork. And Cork City Council now is looking for a nighttime economy advisor and they want to strengthen uh, the city's nighttime appeal uh, for visitors to come here, not only for nights out, but with families as well. And it's the it's called the Nighttime Advisor Pilot Initiative. Now, this one was announced last October about the nighttime economy. It follows on from what they've done in Dublin and as the proposals continue in Ireland uh, to reform our licensing laws, uh, this is a good time they feel now to take a look at the nighttime economy and to talk with all stakeholders and that includes the likes of Angarda Shikona and those involved with the bar industry and the culture and creative side of things as well. So a lot going on nighttime in Cork. We always think of tourism for daytime but nighttime also brings a huge crowds to many cities and good to know that they are looking at the nighttime economy in Cork because certainly from anybody I speak to when they do go on a night out in Cork they always have positive news and positive feedback and I think it's because of the size of the city and there seems to be a good atmosphere most of the time anyhow obviously there is problems with antisocial behaviour but that's everywhere but on an overall night out people seem to be happy enough when they come away from Cork City uh, very sad news yesterday from the world of rallying and this was a man who took part in the West Cork rally only last month and it's Irish rally driver Craig Breen from Waterford who was killed yesterday while completing a practice event in Croatia. He's only 33 years old and he was racing uh, with the Hyundai Motorsport team. It was confirmed yesterday afternoon the accident happened just before noon yesterday and the whole and entire world of rallying which is a close-knit community are so, so upset with this and I saw people yesterday afternoon sharing photos online of those who attended the West Cork rally and were sharing selfies with uh, Craig Breen who was came across as a very uh, nice young man who always gave time to people was very encouraging and also gave a lot to his community in Waterford so may he rest in peace and a very sad news uh, from Craig Breen who really was um, one of the stars of Irish motorsport so may he rest in peace a lot more uh, to get to also scam calls 
A lot of people are still ringing us about scam calls uh, and I'll bring you some more news on how now the issue of scam calls is going to be put back onto the mobile phone companies to deal with this. I'll get to that shortly. But a lot of talk yesterday, and I was wondering why this came out of nowhere, but with all the coverage of Joe Biden visiting the country yesterday, and RTE basically ran RTE1 TV as a, a running news service because it was a huge occasion and I think a lot of people were sitting down watching it. Uh, but because of that, uh, The Angelist was dropped from RTE1. And now, since it was spotted, I don't know if people even spotted it yesterday, but obviously people were watching this and did. The Humanist Association of Ireland certainly did. And because it went missing yesterday, they now are calling for The Angelist to be dropped totally from the airways of the state broadcaster. It's played on RTE television once in the evening. And the sound of The Angelist bell, it rings for one minute, as you know. It's been broadcasting since 19. 19- 50 it seems and Julian Brennan she's CEO of the Humanist Association of Ireland she says now that our society isn't the same as it was 73 years ago here's what she said to our newsroom yesterday evening If you look at at that time when it commenced the first ringing was in 1950 Ireland was a very different landscape at the time the Catholic Church permeated our entire society so moving on to 2023 you would say Ireland is a much more diverse society now and a much more secular society and we believe that it doesn't speak to the diversity of our society in modern times. Well, that's Julian Brennan, CEO of the Humanist Association of Ireland, Independent Senator Ronan Mullen. Meanwhile, he has defended the Angelus being broadcast daily. He says people nationwide enjoy the moment of prayer and reflection and he feels it should be left as it is. You're not a fan of horse racing. You don't have an objection to the fact that it's part of RTE's output as a state-funded broadcaster. The idea isn't to be always showing stuff that at least 51% of the population are interested in. The idea is to capture all segments of the market. And that was Independent Senator Ronan Mullen. Your views on this? It is very much now get into a piece of reflection and people who were not religious even say they'd like that in the evening when they've rushed home from work and if they're lucky to get home by six o'clock, if they do put on uh, RTE1 and the Angelus bell is ringing and they have no interest in religion. They feel it is time out from a busy, busy schedule. And then you have people who are religious and do like hearing the Angelus bell and do pray at that time at 6pm. But your views are welcome. Is it time to get rid of it or just leave it? Who is it offending? And also, the good point there is it is a state broadcaster. And in other countries, and I'm just thinking when I was in Australia, I think it's SBS is the state broadcaster there. And they run shows. Some shows would have a, a, a low viewership, but they are... Uh, I suppose, trying to attract those who have an interest in a certain item that they show. So while the majority of people watching may have no interest, it is targeting every single person in every genre that lives in different states in Australia. And then you have the commercial channels also then who are obviously looking for the big audience and run the big shows and all of that. Uh, But SBS would really be the state broadcaster that is more or less a a public service broadcaster than a state broadcaster that identifies to everybody uh, living in the country. And that's what RTE is here uh, as well as a public service broadcaster and that's why the senator there was wishing for it to remain because of that. Uh, so your views are welcome. Is it offending anybody? Maybe not. 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The Angelus. Well, many people say oh, it's not causing offence so leave it where it is. Uh, first of all, Pat though in Lumberstown, he says the Angelus was played in RTE 2 yesterday at 6. He was watching it so they must have switched it from RTE 1 for the day itself and they in somebody else saying if people are worried about the Angelus uh, sure it's doing no harm it's only for one minute and if you don't like it 
walk out of the room or switch the channels. Yeah, uh, that is true indeed. People could, uh, there's so much offering out there now, I suppose. You don't need to be hooked on one channel all the time anymore. Thank you for your text. More coming in on those and we'll get to those as well. But I want to go uh, regarding the maternity restrictions, which some people are still, uh, we're trying to figure out why they're in place. We'll discuss that next. Court today on C103. You would have thought restrictions in our hospitals were all lifted, but apparently not. Maternity care campaigners claim some partners continued uh, to be restricted from attending hospital appointments. And Linda Kelly from the group Better Maternity Care joins me. Good morning to you, Linda. Good morning. I saw this earlier in the week and I actually presumed, first of all, it was an old email. And then I saw it in a newspaper and I also thought, was that an old paper? Because it's hard to believe that when we're lifting the mask wearing mandate in hospitals, the partners in some places are being told to wait outside for certain appointments. Yeah, I think everybody's very frustrated at this point when we know that last July they retired all COVID-specific restrictions um, from hospital guidance and it was to revert in the main to pre-COVID times in terms of reasonable access for people. Um, And we haven't seen that really bed down across all areas of maternity services. So I I do want to say it has improved hugely from where we were in the dark, dark days of the pandemic when partners were stopped at every appointment, when they were stopped coming into labour wards, when they were stopped coming in for postnatal visits or prenatal visits. But we still don't have it back to where it needs to be. So in a lot of instances now for general antenatal appointments, partners are still being asked to wait outside. Um, and we know as well that there is still an almost total ban on older siblings coming in to visit their newborn brother or sister. And that actually poses some real logistical challenges for family who may not have ready access to childcare, whereby not allowing the older child in also prohibits the partner from coming in to visit mom and new baby. And it's also very emotionally distressing, particularly if mum has to stay in hospital for any period of time after the birth. And that's certainly a lot of feedback that we're getting from families at the moment is that they want to be able to bring in their partner. They want to be able to bring in older children, not necessarily all day long, but certainly to be able to visit. Um, and I think now at this stage, as you said, the mask wearing mandate is now being lifted. It's no longer going to be mandatory. And so I think there, there's genuine questions people have as to why then are these restrictions continuing in hospitals? And, you know, it's different in Cork as it is to Dublin. It's different again in Waterford and Galway. And we're back to this sort of postcode lottery for people. At birth, is the partner allowed in? Yes. So that, that is back? That, that is back and the postnatal visits on the ward are back and I don't get the sense that there really are any difficulties around that. We still hear, it's a minority of cases now, but it shouldn't be happening at all where people maybe are going in for an emergency assessment because they've had a bleed and they're concerned and partners are being asked to wait outside. That's not acceptable. That was agreed with the HSE probably 18 months ago at this stage that that would no longer happen. And And for cases like that you mentioned there, I mean, even for an appointment where things aren't going wrong, there can be, following a scan, a circumstance where they might have spotted something and they want to double check it with a consultant. And for the mother to be lying there on the bed on her own and the partner outside or maybe not even allowed in the hospital, you know, receiving that news on your own, first of all, is concerning without the support there while you're waiting. And nothing might be wrong, but it's just that five or ten minutes where you don't know what the outcome will be. 
That's exactly it. And I think everybody knows if you've been through the maternity services at all, you know that like when you cross over the threshold of that hospital, whether it's for what they call a routine checkup, a routine scan, you know, normal um you know, tests that you you have to do regularly, particularly toward the end of the pregnancy. You don't actually know what's going to happen during that appointment. And it is nerve-wracking, even if everything ends up okay on the other end. You just do want somebody to hold your hand during that appointment. And certainly, there's no reason why partners should be stopped from those appointments anymore. And I think all of the hospital management teams across the country really need to look at why they're continuing to impose those restrictions and force people to go through those experiences on their own. Because they do have an impact on people and they certainly particularly if this is your second baby during COVID times and you know you're still dealing with you know all of the first time around where it would have been very different would have been far more um, restricted it brings up a lot for people and certainly I think you know we need to be cognizant that COVID had a really significant impact on how people experience pregnancy and labour in 2020-2021 and in the first half of 2022 as well and most of those people are maybe like a lot of those people are going back to have a second baby um, in a lot of instances and there's trauma there that needs to be considered and the continuation of excluding partners really isn't appropriate or supportive of the people who are attending services. True, and Ashling on text is making the point an older sibling, she goes, uh, for her at the time, her eldest was just after turning five years old and she also, even though she had a new baby, she wanted to know how her other child was and he wanted to see his mammy. She was in the hospital for five days at that stage and was away from her family. She said it was the toughest moment of her life even though she had just given born to a beautiful new baby girl. Uh, she still could not see the rest of her family and she found that very tough uh, and some people have mixed views then on extended family, why by they want the siblings in they're not too concerned about the extended family or friends is there any update on, on when all this will change I mean you've obviously raised this with the HSC under your care group have they come back with any updates? No there isn't any updates I think their um, response really on this has always been to try and ignore it until it becomes a real pressure point for people um, but certainly I think now there's been a lot of coverage on the issue this week and, and people are asking genuine questions as to why this continues on um, and certainly I think it is going to require leadership on behalf of the Minister for Health who has quite clearly stated his support previously that these restrictions would be removed but actually now he needs to make sure that this is a reality. And one I suppose the question that has to be asked is why are these rules remaining in place when the guidance as you mentioned was lifted last summer? Is it a fact that our hospitals as we know are understaffed and having less people in and around the maternity wards, less visitors is less hassle for the staff? I think that that is a lot of it, but to be honest, the best people to answer that question are hospital managers because they're, no one is asking this question of them publicly, you know what I mean? And I think certainly while we may have a view and we have anecdotal evidence from people that they prefer the quieter hospitals, that they prefer less eyes on the work, um, you know, that's not good enough in a modern healthcare facility. True. Well, you highlighted this during the middle of the pandemic with us at the time. Uh, they were called pandemic babies when people were within the maternity uh, care wards on their own. Uh, your baby at this stage, uh, no longer a baby, nearly three years old, I would imagine. 
Yeah, three years old this summer and oh. I'm still talking about this. I kind of can't I know. believe it, to be honest. <laughs> I know, indeed. Uh, what's your baby's name? Amy Kate. Amy Kate, excellent. Well, our regards, Amy Kate, and uh, all well? All well. Oh, she's absolute powerhouse she is, yeah. <laughs> doesn't doesn't take any any notice of anybody, just ploughs her own course. Uh, that's good. She'd have a, a busy life ahead, so that's her attitude. Fair play to her. Uh, Linda, we'll wait and see what happens uh, with the, the decision from the HSC and if they've come back with us with any explanation of why indeed they are keeping these restrictions in place for the moment. Uh, thanks for highlighting that this morning with us. Thanks a million for having me on. Take care. Thank you. Linda Kelly there from Glenmire and of course from the group Better Maternity Care. Your views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. It does seem strange that in a time where the mandate on mask wearing has been removed from hospitals, still we have these restrictions within our maternity services. On the way next, if you're a saver, it could be bad news for you. But if you are drunk on your mortgage over the next while, it could be good news, even though interest rate hikes are going going to continue uh, for the next while and also inflation on the up. We're going to speak with Dara Cassidy from Bonkers.ie next on that. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Court today on C103. New figures from the Central Bank showed that the average interest rate on a new mortgage decreased, meaning Ireland once again had the third cheapest mortgage rates in the Eurozone in February. Dara Cassidy from Bonkers.ie joins me. Good morning to you, Dara. Good morning. This is some good news for those who are about to draw down a mortgage, first of all. Well, yeah, well, there's good news and bad news, I suppose. The good news is that it really does show how slow the main banks here have been at passing on the ECB, the European Central Bank, rate increases to their customers over the past few months. So as listeners might be aware, since last July, interest rates have increased quite significantly in the eurozone from zero percent to three and a half percent they're likely to hit maybe four percent over the next few months and that's obviously going to have a big impact on mortgage rates but the banks for various reasons have been slow to pass on those rate increases and um, mind you tracker customers unfortunately haven't been quite so lucky and that's why we see ourselves now as having one of the most uh, you know one of the cheapest rates in europe ha- having had among the most expensive rates for quite a long time and up until around maybe 10 months ago for several years Ireland had maybe the third most expensive the second most expensive rate sometimes the most expensive rates in all of the the eurozone so it's good news um, but savings rates are still very very poor and I think that's something that people are going to want to see improve over the next few months And just staying on the mortgage issue there for a while I mean many are looking for going or getting a mortgage or switching at the moment to the ECB they have said while Irish banks are holding off the rates we're going to see more increases in the next three or four months that will have an impact. Yeah, I mean, we have rates now at the moment, the ECB's main lending rate, the one that affects trackers and also the one that affects mortgages is at 3.5%. That's probably going to go up to 3.75% when the ECB next meets in May and then may have to go up again to 4%. Um, although there is a little bit of uncertainty, it depends on how quickly inflation falls. Uh, but if that happens, unfortunately, it does mean more rate increases from almost all the main lenders here are probably guaranteed over the next next few months. Um, so that's something that people are going to have to bear with. I mean, even if the ECB didn't increase rates, we're probably due a catch-up rate increase, if that makes sense, from mm. some of the banks, because the, the fixed rates have only gone up by around maybe 1.5 to 2%. Uh, variable rates have hardly changed at all. As I said, the banks have been 
don't want to say generous, but they've been really, really slow at passing on the rate increases, um, which means we have such good value rates at the moment compared to other countries. Uh, but, uh, but, but probably, though, like I said, more rate increases on the way. So if anyone is in the process of you know applying for a mortgage, that is something that they're going to have to bear in mind. And one thing you might have noticed as well within Bonkers.ie is banks were letting people exit out of a fixed term contract with them early to stay with them and move to a new fixed term contract. I know yes. it happened to myself where my mortgage renewal uh, I was on fixed for three years it was up in February but last October I rang them and they allowed me change there and then so I availed actually of a, a lower rate than I was actually on uh, and it was a green rate they call it it goes on your, your B your cert so people yes. if you're in a situation maybe even if you're not up for renewal for your mortgage ring your bank and make contact with your bank yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's brilliant advice. I did the exact same thing. I was a permanent GSB. I was three years into a five-year rate. And around eight months ago, I knew that rates were going up. And I just asked them, you know, what would it cost to cancel my initial fixed rate early or break out of it early? And it was nothing. So I went from paying, you know, I think it was like 3.2% to 3%. So it was literally the best of both worlds. So absolutely. I mean, if somebody's on a tracker or a variable rate. Sometimes you don't need to actually switch in order to get better value. Sometimes just by seeing what rate options are out there from your existing lender, you could save yourself some money. It might be as simple as just ticking a form on a box. Um, for Bank of Ireland customers, they'll probably get the best value by doing that because Bank of Ireland kind of has the best rates. Um, if you're with maybe permanent GSB or AIB, it's going to be a bit more tricky because their rates are higher. And that's where particularly if you have a tracker mortgage, you kind of need to get good advice, chat for a mortgage broker and just see whether it is actually worth you know moving off the tracker or moving off the variable rate and locking into a fixed rate but um, you know your mortgage as i always say is one of the biggest bills that people will have so it's definitely something that you don't want to overpay on so even though rates are going up that doesn't mean you can't save money by switching or maybe you just might want the peace of mind by switching to you know a longer term fixed rate and that's something that people might want to do as well and then while we've discussed the mortgages there you did touch on the issue for savers and it's not good news for savers uh, for those of us who are lucky uh, who have money in the bank and and can save or are saving uh, what will happen or how high are the rates going to go for those yeah, so I mean, the best rate at the moment is 1.5% for permanent GSB, which really isn't a huge amount, um, particularly with rates being at 3.5%. And obviously, with inflation still at well over 7%, any money that people have isn't going to make uh, anything for them in real terms when you take inflation into account. And of course, you then pay dirt at 33% on any of those gains. And um, Bank of Ireland is only paying a maximum of 0.75%. So the returns are really, really pitiful. But really, that's why mortgage rates or partly why mortgage rates are so low the banks are using all the deposit money that they have and they're paying that you know they're paying very very small rates of interest and they're using that money to lend mortgages cheaply to other people so whilst we have uh, good value mortgage rates the flip side of that is that we have really really poor savings rates our savings rates at the moment are among the worst in the eurozone now having said that at least it's an improvement from around 18 months ago when we had the worst savings rates and the worst mortgage rates. At least now you can kind of say, well, listen, I can see what the banks are doing. So things have improved slightly. But I think the banks will come under a bit of pressure over the next few months to just improve those savings rates. Um, I think they haven't come under much pressure now 
up until now because I mean it's kind of tough sometimes to have sympathy for somebody who has fifty thousand k and, and you know and wants to get better value. Our focus tends to be more on the borrowers and the mortgage people and people are trying to go on the property ladder. I get that, but I do think over the next few months, savers are going to start saying, "Listen, hang on, you know, if rates are at four percent, I should be getting something at least close to maybe two two and a half percent." And and some banks in Europe, you can actually get rates of over three percent. That's kind of goes to show you how far we are behind. Uh, but um, I guess we'll probably see rates go up, savings rates go up a little bit, but probably not as much as mortgage rates will go up. And then you have the issue when we mentioned mortgages, people are trying to save to buy a house, you will need a deposit. So it will affect people who are maybe saving or trying to save 20k for a deposit with that rate. So you, they'll be watching both sides of the balance with the mortgage rate on one side and the savings rate yes. on the other side. No, 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 you're right. And I do think sometimes in Ireland, the not just in Ireland, in other countries as well, the focus is too much sometimes on the borrowing rate and having good savings rates is, is good. It helps saving for a pension when you go to get an annuity and things like that. Uh, that's kind of a, a, probably a topic for another day. But as you said, I mean, for uh, people who are saving up for a house deposit, they'll want to see slightly better rates. I would just say to listeners, there is an online platform called Raise, and some of them may have heard of it before. And it's an online platform and it gives you access to savings rates that are available elsewhere in Europe. Uh, so you can have access to better rates that are available there. And at the moment, I think there's a French bank or a Lithuanian bank, and they have a five-year fixed-term deposit of over 3%. Now, I know that might sound too good to be true, but all your money is protected under the deposit guarantee scheme. So that's something that people might want to look into if they feel they're not getting good value with the Irish banks. Okay, Dara, as always, great advice there, and thanks for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Take care. Derek Cassidy there from bonkers.ie and you can always of course compare and check out uh, all the banks to, uh, and everything in Ireland to do with insurance uh, and electricity and broadband on bonkers.ie if you want to go comparing and I just mentioned there regarding uh, rates and interest rates year on year we've seen an increase in the cost of food as well uh, there was information published yesterday on inflation here in Ireland and it does seem again uh, that households will continue to be squeezed when it comes to us going out purchasing our food because Inflation has uh, gone above 5% for 18 months in a row. Uh, the headline figure fell from 8.5% in February uh, to 7.7% last month. But when it comes uh, to families who were going out and buying the uh, bread and butter, basically, uh, prices in the supermarkets, they have gone up by at least, it seems, 15%. Now, uh, g- gas prices have also gone up. Um, they have soared to 92%. Electricity is up 63%. Mortgage repayments, as Dara touched on, they're up by 35%. A bit of relief for motorists where the petrol and diesel prices are both down uh, more than 15%, but they could be going up again due to carbon taxes later this year. And just on shopping, because I think most people, if you go to the shops, you do notice this uh, and you will have uh, seen your bill uh, on your receipt gone up by 20, 30 or 40 euro over the last number of months. And if you were off to buy, uh, for example, a brown sliced pan, uh, it's gone up roughly around 25 cents. The average Average price would have been 164 a year ago, now gone up to 189. Uh, milk, a two litre whole milk, gone up by 45 cents. Uh, butter, gone up by 68 cents. If you're looking for eggs and you go along and you get your large eggs, they would have been 182 last year. They're 218 this year. And even tin tomatoes, uh, gone up by over a euro. So there's a lot of change in the supermarkets. And I think people would have seen that in your receipts and how uh, prices have increased over uh, the last year or so and even the last few months on our weekly. 
please shop your views are welcome always 1-8-103-103 text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 it's JP until 1 with Cork Today Bernie standing by taking your comments on 0818-103-103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 you can email Cork Today at c103.ie or indeed get in touch with us via the C103 app on the way we're going to hear why Bantry is aiming to become a dementia friendly town and shortly speaking with the Association of Garda Sergeants who were concerned regarding the current conditions within the Garda Forest that maybe is not attracting new members to the forest even though there's a huge campaign underway at the moment they'll join us shortly but a lot of calls and comments in on different issues first of all back to the presidential visit of Joe Biden and somebody on WhatsApp has sent in a picture and this is a tweet from a senator but they're saying should there not have been an Irish flag at Leinster House especially for the presidential visit I cannot understand why our flag is not flying at our parliament building in Dublin this seems very bizarre to me uh, says this person on WhatsApp and the picture is uh, on outside Leinster House there's three flagpoles and there's an American flag and a EU flag and a Ukrainian flag and there is no Irish flag on those flagpoles uh, but there is an Irish flag then flying over Leinster House itself uh, flying high over Leinster House but then should there have been also an Irish flag on one of those three flagpoles is the question that people are asking uh, and see yeah, I was obviously some official in Leinster House made this decision and maybe they felt that well there's an Irish flag over Leinster House you can see that when you drive in uh, so let's have a different flag on the flagpole I'm not too sure what the reasoning behind that was but there uh, the Irish flag is is there but it's not on the flagpole anyhow that person concerned on WhatsApp regarding that and again somebody in Leinster House or one of the civil servants would have made that decision on what flag would have gone where uh, but yeah it, it doesn't seem strange it looks strange but then that's from a photo Does it, is it less strange in reality when you're there do the flags are closer I'm not too sure but the Irish flag it isn't that they've ignored the Irish flag that is flying over Leinster House it's not included though on the three main flagpoles and I suppose if you were driving in and you noticed the, the flagpoles you would expect the Irish flag on that anyhow uh, a WhatsApp on that thank you for your WhatsApp and staying with that TV coverage of the event Dennis is asking can someone tell me why RTE uh, the RTE news channel and the Oroctus TV channel all showed the same content yesterday for Joe Biden's visit couldn't RTE have shown the Joe Biden trip on the RTE news channel yesterday and left RTE one regular programming content alone? Asking Dennis, uh, well, I'm not too sure the reason behind that. All I can say is that they have spent a lot of money because there's a extra reporters out and about. They have extra background teams, producers, riggers, TV cameramen, uh, satellite trucks, and they are paying for the satellite feeds also from the various locations. So I do presume because RTE one is one of their most watched channels that if they're spending a lot of money that they want as many viewers as possible and even though RT News the channel itself is there and people can go to it and some know about it maybe uh, there's not enough viewership on that channel and people uh, traditionally will go to RT1 for any main breaking news and you've had that in the UK as well when there's a main uh, event on their news channel will run it but also it will be on BBC1 and also in the UK you'll have it on the commercial channels uh, so I, I just think that's probably one of the reasons I'm not too sure why but that's the only logic reason I can think of the cost of covering uh, this event they were going to make sure they get a payback by way of viewership and the viewership is on RTE1 uh, the RTE News Channel no 
like it's there but people might go to one rather than the other channel and have uh, the Rockstar TV channel then is actually even though they share uh, stuff with RT and RT use them it's actually I didn't realise this until I looked into it it's actually a separate channel totally nothing to do with RT it's run by a production company so they would be operating totally differently then uh, to RTE and on the Angelist and this came uh, came really on the back of the visit yesterday of Joe Biden but the, the reason why is they must have well people are telling us they moved the Angelist from RTE 1 to RTE 2 but outside of all of that, uh, the Angelus now is being looked at to be dropped because it wasn't aired yesterday in the usual uh, placing on RTE1. And because of this, the Humanist Association of Ireland have called for the Angelus to be dropped, uh, whereas uh, one senator, Roland Mullen, uh, feels he's defending the Angelus. He feels like it's a moment of prayer, a moment of reflection. It should be left as it is. It's harming no one. Uh, just some reaction on that. First of all, Mary in Oven says, uh, John Paul, well said by one of our politicians, Mr. Roland Mullen, on keeping the Angelus. People who want rid of the Angelus should not then avail of days off on St. Patrick's Day, on St. Bridget's Day, on Easter or Christmas breaks. What are they celebrating when they avail of their paid holidays, commercialism, parting, which means for many consuming copious amounts of alcohol? All some want is to get rid of everything Catholic. Well, keep your opinions to yourself, says Mary from Ovens, and let the rest of us believe in what we believe in, as we are entitled to respect our ethnic origin and religion, says Mary in Ovens. While Marie... Uh, feels the ringing of the Angelus should stay on TV if people are offended by it well they can change the channel for that minute or just meditate for that minute just because something may seem old fashioned in today's world doesn't mean it has to go says Marie and Dennis feels well we have it for 70 years it's part of our heritage so why should we uh, not uh, keep it and we should not also have to make an apology for it says Dennis and many people saying the same thing that it's not offending anybody it's only for one minute. The religious aspect on TV itself is more that's gone out of it, just the bells ringing and many use it to meditate, as some people say, but also to take time out from a very, very busy day. As Linda says, I have a stressful enough day. When I come home and I hear the bells ringing, it is one moment in time where everything isn't the same and at least you can take time out. If you want to take time out, it's not offensive. It's a pure Irish thing, says Linda, so why not just leave it alone? It's not causing harm to any anybody and we can change everything uh, says Linda uh, thank you for your WhatsApp and then to the maternity situation and people had mixed views on the maternity care whereby some are not worried about extended family not being allowed in but everybody wants their partners and siblings of the baby born allowed in to visit the mother and the baby well on this Dennis is in Cassett Magner he feels that hospital staff have enough to do without having lots of children visiting the maternity units so as long as you have a health the new baby you should be grateful says Dennis in Castle Magner and to teachers we discussed and we spoke with the teachers yesterday uh, on, as in the INTO their union on what they were looking for we'll speak with the Gardaí later but Mary on that and what we discussed yesterday says I can't believe that the children are all for two weeks for Easter they may as well stay at home altogether uh, next the teachers will be looking for a pay rise saying they are overworked so Mary not happy with what was said regarding the INTO and we did have a lot of teachers reacting to this as well yesterday Mary and you would have heard their view on 
on it so it, it was quite balanced yesterday but that's Mary's view today on that and then on the Gardaí which we'll speak to shortly uh, this is from Shay and Shay is saying it's no surprise nobody is taking the bait to join the Gardaí the ads are over trying to get people interested feel Shay it's like a scam style they sound too good to be true and as they are saying this that and the other thing they're just really trying to sell the idea to the people uh, and maybe that is the point that's putting more off enticing them to join the ad makes the Gardaí sound badly stuck to get people interested says Shay so are they trying too much and when you hear the Gardaí on those adverts as Shay said does it kind of sound too good to be true that life is too good and are people questioning that and saying you know there's always a a, a tough side to every job and is that not being highlighted Uh, That's Shay's view anyhow on those adverts. Thank you, Shay, for your text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103. And we were speaking there regarding the inflation and the food prices and indeed uh, what's happening in our maternity hospitals and in the Angeles. And Mossy was listening to all of this and Mossy says that sometimes he feels those running the countries across the world, they feel people are dummies. And he says, we are not dummies. But of course, there are alternatives to what he calls is what is happening nowadays is capitalism. And this is where we have to prioritise what is vital and important to our societies. And that is, of course, community. We spoke about food there and the inflation, production of food is the most important focus of every society and everything regarding work should be built around that. Uh, There is plenty of people out there and there's a big workforce and labour in society to get things done. So Mossy feels people should prioritise their energies and stop being spoken down to by people who think uh, that the ordinary person is a dummy uh, when he's uh, referring to I presume the leaders of the world uh, thank you Mossy for your text to 0862 103 103 we got a call then yesterday afternoon and this is a dilemma uh, that a listener faces and uh, we won't give a name on this for obvious reasons but maybe you can help this person out a mail corner to Burley yesterday afternoon uh, this person received a phone call from a blocked number And the phone call that he received was from another man who said, do you know your wife is having an affair? And I'm telling you this as a friend. So the person wasn't telling him as if to say, you know, your wife's having an affair, you're a fool. They're telling them as a friend to sort this out. But now because it was a blocked number, he can't make out who the person was, but it was someone that knew him and knew his wife. He wants to know what should he do? Should he approach his wife and say he got a call from a blocked number from a person telling him that the wife is having an affair or does he just ignore it? But now because he did that for a day, it's playing on his mind. And because it's a blocked number, he can't figure out who the person that rang him was. Uh, now, I'm not too sure what kind of phone that man had. He, uh, he didn't get into detail with us, uh, but he was, as Bernie would say, it was a genuine caller. Uh, because I know on some phones you can actually figure out a blocked number and get the number. On iPhones in particular, there is a way around of uh, finding out what the blocked number that rang you is. Uh, but what should he do? Any advice for this person? Should he just... Because he feels wrong that it was a blocked number and it could be someone he felt maybe, you know, taking the mic, but he didn't think so the way the person spoke. And as we said, the genuine man on the phone to Bernie Bush, what should he do? Uh, approach his wife and then say, I got a call saying you're having an affair. That could make things a lot worse. Uh, but if it's playing out of his mind, any advice for that man? 
who made contact with us yesterday and spoke to Bernie 0818 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 103 jobs. A fully qualified stylist is wanted for McCroom. Full or part-time hours are available. You can email studiom.mccroom at gmail.com. The Hibernian Hotel in Mallow has a vacancy for an accommodation assistant. You can email Donna info at hibernianhotelmallow.com An office administrator is wanted for Clonakilty and you can email your CV to info at carburyplastics.ie And C103 is recruiting a junior business development executive to drive new business acquisition and identify new revenue streams. You can email your CV and applications to Manager at c103.ie You'll find these jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at c103.ie. Today on C103. We heard yesterday from the INTO who were campaigning for their teaching members and looking to recruit teachers into the profession. Well, today we hear from the Gardaí who also feel poor pay and conditions may be putting people off from joining the force. Ronan Clotter of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors joins me. Good morning to you, Ronan. Good morning, John Paul. And you had your conference last week and something Gardaí and sergeants on the ground here have told me and others is, and it's evident even if you're if you're not speaking to Gardaí, the amount of Gardaí leaving the force and then this massive recruitment campaign underway. I mean, it clearly indicates there is a problem within the force, not by the members, not by the sergeants or even inspectors, but higher up for those in charge to look at. Oh, yes, absolutely, uh, John Paul. Um, in 2022, uh, over 450 members uh, left on Garda Siakana through either retirement or resignation. 109 of, of this 450 figure were resignations uh, of young Garda mainly from the force, and that is very worrying and a very significant uh, development for our Garda Siakana. And many have told us one of the reasons they got frustrated with the force is that they're inside doing paperwork rather than being out on the beach. And then you hear reports and you'll see it yourself in, in, in many of the media outlets. There's less Gardaí seeing on our streets, but it's not the Gardaí's fault. It's the fact that there's so much paperwork now in the job and it's gone more like an office job. And that frustrated a lot of Gardaí and many of the reasons why they left. Oh, absolutely, yes, that's correct, Jean-Paul. There are a number of factors involved in this. Uh, number one being, being uh, the terms and conditions of employment, pay and pensions uh, of young Gardaí. Um, basically, Angarda Siakana probably had a monopoly on some of the brightest and best young people in this country for years. However, the jobs market has caught up with that now, and the guards just cannot compete. Also, there was a significant development in 2013 with the introduction of a new pension scheme from guards. And that was a significant reduction in the pension uh, for young guards joining. And that is one of the major factors influencing this. You're correct, John Paul, in in relation to the um, excessive administration. Um, The Commission of the Future and Policing report and the Commission of the Future and Policing in Ireland report there in 2018 recommended a modernisation and renewal programme for Angarda Siakana. Um, over the last couple of years, there have been significant reforms being put in place as a result of that report. However, 
not all of these are have been positive for the organisation. Um, there is an introduction of new systems um, for recording crime called the INMS system, which um, is clearly not working, and our association is on record calling that it should be stopped and reviewed immediately. This is, this system is basically overburdening Gardaí with administration duties, and Gardaí are spending more time in front of computer screens instead of out on the streets uh, out at the front line, meeting the public and, and uh, mingling within the community where Gardaí want to be. Yeah, and what the community wants also is access to the, the local Gardaí or the local Garda station. And another issue that came up yesterday with the INTO, and this was those teachers who were living in and around the Dublin area and the cost of accommodation in Dublin. And with the Gardaí, it's the same issue, but with Gardaí, you ha- you're just placed in the location. So when you leave Templemore, usually you're told where you'll be going to. So if you end up in Dublin, that's the luck of the draw, I suppose. But if you're in Dublin, then you're on the same wage starting out as someone who might be placed in Cahazavine or in Tralee, where there's a, a less cost costs of accommodation, living expenses also. Uh, was there any talk of maybe, like the INTO, looking at a, a different pay grade system for those who are sent to Dublin, like that you have in the UK with London and then located outside of London? Um, no, not at the moment now, but Garda across the country have a problem with this because part of the Garda regulations is that you cannot live, if you're a young guard coming out, you cannot live within a certain kilometrage of, of, of where you're actually from. So majority of the membership of Mangarda Shiakana are commuting long distances to work every day. And this falls into the current dispute that's ongoing in Mangarda Shiakana with the Garda Commissioner in relation to Ross, uh, where um, members of Mangarda Shiakana are being asked uh, to go and turn up for work for 47 extra days a year, which again increases the cost and and uh, the amount of hours Mangarda Shiakana will be on the road driving. But um, overall, um, our, a lot of our membership, we find our younger membership, are now living outside Dublin and commuting into the city every day um, because they cannot afford to live in, in, in Dublin or any of the major urban areas. But it is a widespread problem across the country. And on the roster issue, is it a case that the four days, four day off that was there for a while, is that gone now? Do they want guardians uh, to work it, longer hours and longer that, days? That, that was a contingency roster, four days on, four days off, which was introduced overnight uh, at the start of the COVID pandemic. Prior to that, Gary, they used to work. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Six days on, four days off. The new proposal is that Gardaí, uh, some Gardaí will remain on the four on, four off. However, most Gardaí 
um, the community Gardaí and um, detective and all non-frontline Gardaí would move to an eight-hour shift, which would uh, vastly increase the amount of days that they would have to travel into work, which is creating a significant difficulty for our membership and is severely affecting morale within the, the Gard organisation at the moment. And morale is a very big issue in, um, in the Gard. It's very important that morale is good. However, um, you know, low morale is detrimental to the organisation at this time. Yeah, of course. And morale for every business, you need a high morale. Otherwise, it will impact on the service of the business. You touched there on Gardaí who are new and who cannot be appointed to so many kilometres from their home place. Is that also a reason then why the recruitment campaign is underway? It would seem, according to those who are, are sending in information to us, that the Gardaí are finding it or struggling, is what somebody said, to recruit because of the fact that if you go along to Templemore and you leave there, and as I mentioned, you can be placed anywhere but while some people who have gone to Tippermore will tell us they've said months there they're happy if they're from Cork City or Cork County they're happy to be placed in County Kerry or County Limerick or County Clare or wherever they're happy to move to those locations but they're still not too far away from Cork but what we're hearing is people are being then given uh, Cavan or Donegal or Dublin or Louth uh, and nothing has been taken into consideration we've heard that a lot have you heard that as well uh, from your members? Yes, that, that that happens, and generally the organisation try as best they can. However, where vacancies have to be filled, vacancies have to be filled. Mm. But you're not going to get too many people joining the Gardaí mm. if that's the way it's run. Yeah, well, uh, currently at the moment, um, that's one factor involved in joining, um, that, that they're creating difficulties and mm. difficulties for joining the Guards. Like, I suppose in, in 2022, we had only 120 people uh, enter Templemore. Currently, the, uh, the target the government set for 2022 was 800. The target government set for 2023 was 1,000. We had 136 guards enter uh, Templemore earlier on this year. We currently have 129 there at the moment, so it's highly unlikely that we're going to get anywhere near that 1,000 uh, target that the government has, has set. But uh, overall, there are a huge number of factors. The rosters, um, the, the, the morale the excessive administration. There was also a big problem with social media. And young people today, the guards out on the streets, like incidents that recently happened in Dublin, um, and mobile phones are being stuck in their faces, and they're being recorded, and this this um, coverage is then uploaded onto social media and ta- uh, out of context. And, um, you know, it's portraying the guards in a bad light. And young people see this. And, and, and they see the, the amount of, um, you know, the difficulties that the guards have to put up with in carrying out their daily roles on occasions. And, and, they, say, and they look at the terms and conditions of employment and they say, no way, that's, that's not for me. Uh, you know, no way, no, the money would pay you for, for the amount of stress and pressure that you'd be put under in these certain situations. Yeah, you want thick skin and some would have thick skin for that, but others might be able to ignore it, but not all can. And, and that plays a, a huge part, as you mentioned. And, and staying with that social media videoing side of it, I suppose, if the Gardaí themselves had a camera and that has been spoken about, the introduction of body cams, you know, it might help the situation. Um, how are, is that developing under the uh, facial recognition technology bill? Because I read last weekend in the Sunday Independent, the Greens, for some reason, were having concerns about this. Yeah, well, we ha- we have been promised by the Minister uh, that, that this legislation will be pushed uh, uh, pushed through as, uh, as fast as they can. However, political issues I'm not going to comment on uh, now, John Paul. Um, I'll leave that to the politicians. 
Uh, hopefully this legislation will get through and we're hoping that uh, if it does, that there will be, the Commissioner said that he'll run a pilot uh, project for the body cameras in December, or the, in quarter four of 2023. Uh, I suppose we have to wait for the legislation to come through as well. There's another issue, John Paul, um, 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 it's not just recruitment, but it's also retention within Angada Corner. And retention is a big issue as well. As I mentioned to you, that 109 people resigned from Garda Corner last year. And what is happening is that young people are joining the Guard and they're realising that it comes back to that excessive administration issue again. And there's also an issue with over-regulation. And there's a feeling within Angada Corner that you now cannot make a mistake. Uh, even the simplest of things, and you're being punished for it. And this is creating a high stress, uh, stress and pressure environment uh, for working in Angadashia Kona, again affecting morale. Um, you know, and and this is causing young people who come into the come, in, come into the organisation. Uh, they say they'll have a career in Angadashia Kona, and they're leaving after a couple of years, and they're saying no way. And then uh, we have uh, another issue with the retention as well that. Uh, we have experienced members who are in Angadashir Corner for 10 or 15 years, and they're deciding to leave as well, partly through disillusionment with the, the processes and the pathway that Angadashir Corner has, has followed, and also with uh, the tension issues in relation to them as well, that members who joined post-1985, uh, they joined on, on the belief that they, after 30 years they would be entitled to a full pension um, and that they could retire and go and do whatever they wanted then. However, there's uh, complications have arisen around this, and this is seriously frustrating members of, of middle service within Angarda Khanna as well. There's a, there, there, there is a lot of disillusionment within Gardashia Khanna. Our association have been highlighting this for a long time now. Um, the commissioner was in Galway last week, and we hi- it was highlighted to the commissioner, um, as he had previously said in the weeks beforehand on, on public records, that he, he didn't believe there was an issue with morale in Gardashia Khanna. Um, at our conference last week, 140 delegates, very experienced members uh, with long service in the Gadda Corner, all middle management, frontline supervisors, um, held up their cards uh, uh, to show that there was a problem with morale. However, the commissioner um, uh, chose, uh, chose, uh, chose not to accept this and said that he was being advised by his senior management team and that there was not a problem with, with morale in Agatha Corner. And, and this is worrying because we feel that there's a disconnect uh, between sergeants and inspectors on the front line now, the middle management who know who, what, what's going on on the ground and senior management. And, and you know, to solve this problem, we need uh, senior management and the Garda Commissioner and politicians to listen to the associations and to try and find a pathway forward where, where things can improve. When you have a generational change where people who are up to retire are retiring and then you have those who are not up for retiring, who are young Gardaí, leaving the forest for the various reasons you've outlined there, uh, it's kind of odd that senior management and indeed the Commissioner Drew Harris can't really see that there's a problem. When they're the ones running a huge recruitment campaign, I mean, what you've described there and people are texting in, it, it sounds like something being run like 40 Towers. Well, the problem is with morale and uh, and, and disillusionment within the Gardaí corner. This was clearly highlighted at our conference last week. We need the government and we need senior management within the Gardaí corner to listen to the associations and listen to its membership uh, that there is problems here. And uh, to solve any problem, you have to get to the root of the problem mm. uh, and start there. And if they don't listen, 
from what it appears they're not but if they don't listen um, will we see the return to a type of blue flu situation? In regards to the rosters um, they're, 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 we received a mandate from our delegates at, at conference last week to continue a course of action which would consist of further days of action with protest marches um, in, in Dublin um, over the next couple of months uh, this is in relation to the rosters and the uncertainty and unpredictability that members have suffered around their working hours now at this stage, um, uh, which is a health and safety issue for, for our membership. After that, the membership have indicated, um, number one, I suppose the blue flu action was 25 years ago, and it wasn't um, our, our members of our association were not involved in that. That was another Garda association. But the members, uh, as you will know, and your, your listenership will know that the Garda are not entitled to go on strike. But the members have indicated that, um, you know, if the commissioner does not listen and the government does not listen um, to Angard, that they will consider withdrawing their labour uh, at a later date. Is policing being affected in this country because of the way things are being run within the force? Well, the Commission of the Future of Policing report um, recommended um, um, a new system of policing within the country, which is uh, called the operating model. And this is the combination of Garda divisions and the increase of the size of Garda divisions. And there, there is a problem around the country with this as... Um, you know, this model is not, it's not a one-fits-all sort of thing, it's, uh, we, we believe. Uh, you cannot have the same um, model of policing for Dublin City Centre and rural County Mayo or rural County Cork, you know, because they're just different sides of policing, they're different areas, they're different geographical areas. And what is happening now around, particularly in rural areas, is the centralisation of resources under this model. And we, not do, we do not believe that this is working at this time. And we're on record calling for um, the Commissioner to, to also uh, to freeze this, uh, the implementation of the operating model and, and have a review and to see what the problems are. And, and we believe um, that, that there should be a separate model of policing for rural Ireland compared to urban Ireland, like city centres, like Cork City or Dublin City or Limerick City. Yeah, uh, and, and true, a lot of people w- would agree with you on that. And when it comes to accessing guardian local Garda stations that, that are no more for the moment there, Ronan, I have to leave it. Uh, but thanks for joining us this morning on those issues. Thank you, John Paul. Thank you. Ronan Clotter there outlining the reality of what's happening within the Garda Force. He's from the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. And a lot of people taken back by the way it's run behind the scenes. It does seem a bit all over the shop. It does seem like the problems that are in the Garda Force are being highlighted, but no one running um, the Garda Force is listening, which is leading to further problems. Uh, your views are welcome. 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Court today on C103. Bantry is aiming to become a dementia-friendly town led by Bantry Age Friendly and inspired by Clonakilty's efforts to be autism-friendly. Staff in local stores are training in dementia awareness. Sarah Cairns is one of those trainers and she joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Now, this is a great initiative and I know Dungarvan uh, became Ireland's first dementia-friendly town. So it's something that many people and many areas of Ireland are looking to. Uh, when we speak about this, though, and the training involved for local stores, what is entailed in this? Well, I suppose it's important um, for businesses to become dementia-inclusive because three-quarters of people with dementia still live in the community and still shop and still go to the bank 
and still um, go to coffee shops, etc. They use the amenities. So it's really important for the businesses to, let's say, complete a business transaction that is a positive experience for both parties. And then the person serving, uh, the worker in whatever business it may be, it could be a coffee shop or, or a hardware store, uh, this is to give them a better understanding of what it means uh, to be with a person or, to, or for a person to be living with a dementia also. Uh, so small things like even giving a receipt back to a person, uh, this is all included in the training. The training is mostly focused around um, body language. And although there's some information about different types of dementia, um, there's some sort of very basic tips that we can all take on when we're having a conversation with someone with dementia. I'll give you an example. Um, It's important to give information rather than ask a question. Because if you have um, difficulty with memory or, shall we say, accessing your short-term memory, if you then ask someone a question an open-ended question, something very simple like, what can I get you? Um, Whereas if a person arrives in a paint shop, um, it's more helpful to say, you know, is it paint you're looking for? Are you looking for red or green? If you arrive in a coffee shop, rather, is there anything I can get you? Would you like a cup of coffee? You know, are you here? Would you like a scone? So it's to put the information in and also say who you are. Um, rather than ask for information. So it's very basic, but really important. I suppose a lot of the training is around how to not put someone on the spot, and so they will have a positive experience in your shop. And the environment then that they are in within the shop, as you mentioned, does noise have a factor for this as well? Noise can be. Um, It can definitely, um, if someone is, confused noise can definitely be more difficult um, there's also you know there's many things about within an environment there's signage there's um, if the floor covering is patterned it can often look like there's holes in the ground um, and something you have to jump over so um, there's many facets to making a town dementia inclusive and we are also working on that um, and I suppose the training that I'm focused on is, um, yeah, to help the staff and the workers so they're equipped when somebody comes in, um, like I said, for example, to a bank, but the person can then leave having having got what they needed. And when you mentioned the town there, and while you're specifically training those who are workers, uh, do things need to change in in the town itself? I'm sorry, could you say that again? Do things need to change then in, in the town itself, in the structure of the town, to qualify to become a, a dementia-friendly town? There are. There are, um, like I said, around town, mm. and different towns actually have taken on different... I've been in one town where there is a... You can press um, a button on a wall um, in about three or four different spots in the town, and it just tells you where you are and, and locates you to another main um, point in the town. So there's... Um, it's different in every town, really, and all our needs um, are slightly different. So with the steering committee, we will, and Bantry Age of Bantry Town, we'll be looking at those and what Bantry can do um, to be inclusive. 
Yeah, and even when you mentioned there about the floor pattern, I mean, I I never would have thought of that, and I'm sure many may not have been aware of that either. So there's there's a lot of training needed for people who who are unaware and to make a town become dementia friendly. Stay there because um, we were due to have Rachel Dare of Organico on the line. She's just gone there now again from the line. But uh, the workers' reaction to this, uh, how are you finding those when you explain what you explained to me? How are workers reacting to this? Um. Actually, it's very interesting. A lot of people are touched um, with dementia in, in their lives, as in neighbours, friends, relatives. Um, so people seem to have real interest. So that did take me by surprise. And knowing this information is really interesting. Really interesting to know that, for example, 93% of communication is body language, that actually verbal is only 7%. So if you actually take that on, it means you need to spend a lot more time talking with your body, which is your tone of voice and your body language. You know, when you're yes, nodding your head, they're really simple things. And it's amazing how, you know, people who come are really, excuse me, are really interested in finding this out. So it's actually been a joy um, and an interesting experience. Yeah, and very educational, even you explaining there of how you train them. And it is, it's, it's items and, and things you mentioned there that we wouldn't have thought of. Uh, stay there, Sarah, because Rachel Dare, as I mentioned, is from Organico and is one of the stores in Bantry taking part in this training. Good morning to you, Rachel. Good morning. Uh, when your staff were told initially, when you told them they were going to go for this training, what was their reaction to this? Really positive. Um, I wasn't sure because it's an after work training. Um, so people are staying on a little bit. But um, I think, like Sarah was saying, I don't know if any any of us have been untouched by someone going through something like this um, between grandparents and elderly relatives or neighbours. Everyone's had an experience of it. So it almost immediately becomes personal. And I think from that perspective, there's so much you can learn, obviously, from a business point of view, but really personally as well. And I think that. And within training. your own store there and your line of work, I mean, it's it's primarily a lot of it to do with health. Um, yeah. You mentioned there families. Would you have spoken to families in the past who deal with loved ones with dementia or indeed the person themselves? Absolutely. Yeah, we have customers who've, um, let us know, either their partners have let us know um, or sometimes their children have let us know that they are living with dementia or Alzheimer's. And and so we're aware of that anyway. And for some people, it, it's second nature and they just instantly know how to deal with it. But for other people, maybe it's been less, less of an experience for them firsthand. And so there's lots of very helpful, simple techniques to adopt um, in this training that just make it, yeah, it makes it, makes sense. Yeah, and even the mentioning there of different aspects around the town, have, you know, as Sarah mentioned, having a button on the wall to push so the person knows where they are or their pattern on the yeah. floor. I mean, I never would have thought of that. And, and they are, when you think and, and stop, they do make sense. But initially, until someone tells you, 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 you don't think about it. I don't think it's something that comes into our heads a lot. And yet, when we realise the number of people who are living either with it or have partners with it, it just, it instantly makes sense to um, to adopt the things that are really easy to do. 
that's what kind of I came away from the training really feeling like a lot of what's suggested is stuff that's just a kind of change of perspective. It's not something that really needs a huge it's it's possible to do it. It's not um it's not too much to ask of people, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and you've the training for for your gang is inorganical, you're you're finished now, are you? No, I no. did the training in advance and so I did it just on my own and then now we're starting um, we're doing two weeks of two Tuesday evenings um, and I think we've managed to get a good like staff are doing the first and some of them would love to do it again if it was coming up and the dates just didn't work so I was really delighted with the yeah, that's great. It's a really positive vibe coming from all the staff members yeah. there. And as you say, there a lot of that's in their own time. So so well done to all the gang there in Organico and indeed all the stores in Bantry who are taking part in this. And Rachel, thanks for joining us this morning. No and uh, thank you. And Sarah, before I let you go, uh, as you were one of the trainers and, and while this is going on, is there a timeline then when the town is officially named a dementia-friendly town or do you have to wait later in the year for that to happen? Well, um, what we've what we're, our goal is that if all the businesses have 50% or more um, of people trained in this dementia awareness, then they will get there's a national um, Dementia Understand Together sticker, which actually the feedback from people with dementia is if they're walking around a dementia-inclusive town and they see this sticker, they feel safe going into that shop. So uh, it's important that there isn't just one um staff member trained if there's 50 people working there. The person actually has a chance of meeting someone that knows how to interact with them. So really, we have trainings now um, ending this month, and then summer will be busy for businesses. So we'll begin again in September. And I think when we have all our boxes ticked, um, then we may well call ourselves a dementia-inclusive town. Well, the very best of luck, Sarah, to you with this. It is a great initiative, and thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you, Paul. Take care. Sarah Cairns there, who's one of the trainers involved with Bantry, uh, set to become a dementia-friendly town. Well done to all involved there. JP, until one with Cork Today. And Bernie taking your comments on 0818-103-103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. You can always reach us via the C103 app. Earlier, we had a lot of comments in. This was regarding the Irish Humanist Association, who were calling for the Angelus to be got rid of on TV and Many people had different views on that. The majority uh, feel it's causing no harm. It's inoffensive. Many people who uh, contacted us say they are not religious, but they take it as a minute out of their busy day. Uh, that was the majority of people's views anyhow on that. And Jeremy Middleton is kind of reacting to this in one way because he says uh, they're now trying to uh, water down the Angelus. Uh, but the only thing that's not being watered down in this country is also our Irishness. The real history is not being taught in schools. Uh, they don't teach about the Civil War anymore, uh, says Jer in Middleton. So, they, don't they? Or have they cut back? I'm not too sure. If you are in the know, maybe a history teacher is listening, uh, let us know about if they do or do not teach the Civil War in schools anymore. And then we had an issue earlier regarding the flags being flown yesterday outside Linster House for the visit of the US President Joe Biden, Morris in Glonthorne on that issue, uh, because the flags that were flown from a pictures we got here to WhatsApp, you probably saw it on social media as well, is outside Linster House, there is three flagpoles. And on the three of them, you have the US flag 
Dragon 1, the European flag on a second, and the third has the Ukrainian flag. Uh, but over then on the another flagpole, which is up on top of Leinster House, you had the Irish flag, but many felt that the Irish one should have been flying on these three as you drive in. They're the first ones you'll see, and I suppose they stand out. Uh, but this is from Morris, uh, who says, uh, the Irish flag always has to be the highest among any flags flown. The highest point in the dial is where uh, the Irish flag flies. So the highest point on the dial, of course, is on the dial roof, of the roof of Linzer House. Uh, and that maybe Morris is making a good point. Maybe the camera angles were misleading. Uh, but if you do look at the photos, and there's only one really making the, the rounds on social media and what I'm getting in here on WhatsApp. Uh, but you can see the Irish flag in the background. Uh, maybe people, it could be a camera angles and maybe people would like to have the Irish flag also on the flagpole as you drive in to the Linster House at the back of Linster House there. Uh, but Morris making the point that the Irish flag has to be flown higher than the other flags. So clearly in the know. Thank you, Morris, in Glanton. And we spoke with the Gardaí there earlier and the AGSI, the Association for Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. Shay, reacting to that, uh, said it's clearly the top table at Ungarda Chicana needs to be deleted. Usually these problems in any organisation is at the top and they refuse to see the problem to cover their own agendas, uh, says Shay, reacting to that interview whereby there seems to be an issue where those on top... Uh, as Shea says, are not listening to those on the ground. And those on the ground include inspectors and sergeants within Ungarda Shikona. And hi to Robert in Cove. This is to do with the local property tax. So Robert uh, got a letter on this from Revenue. Uh, but the letter stated he did not pay his bill. Now, Robert pays via direct debit. Uh, to him, he is paying his bills. He's going to check with his bank and I would check with your bank, Robert, but also I would ring Revenue. Uh, no harm to give them a ring and let them know that you are paying uh, by direct debit in case they go after your employer or if you're on social welfare, they go down that route and try to take it off you another way when you are already paying it. So I would touch base with, Re- with Revenue and the local property tax helpline on that for your own sake, Robert and Cove. And hello to all in Bail Lamarov and Nora Casey, who does a lot of work there for the community, they had a daffodil day. Uh, obviously on last March on Daffodil Day and they raised €3,510 all raised for the Irish Cancer Society and Nora wants to thank everybody who supported them in Bailenamore near McCroom and hello to all there. Now we had a lot of emails and reaction yesterday to the issue of footpaths and people who are not happy, first of all, with the condition of footpaths across Cork. But then the figures released under Freedom of Information to Cork East Deputy Sean Sherlock showing that over €5.6 million Euros was paid out by Cork County Council to those who took claims against them for injuries they received on footpaths. Well, uh, we have more further reaction to that by email and callers as well. And we'll get back to those on Monday show. Uh, one of time now before one, but we will get back to that on Monday show. Also, I have more emails on different issues to get to shortly. But but we were meant, well earlier this week mentioning the return of the catering service to the Cork to Dublin train. And while many welcome that, uh, the introduction of quiet carriages on trains has led to confrontation between staff and passengers who were asked to keep their voices down. Now, despite internal emails cited concerns within Irish Rail about these designated quiet areas, Irish Rail says that the initiative itself has proven to be popular among customers. Well, our reporter, Marais Cleary, has more on this. A relaxing trade ride is not always guaranteed. Often it's a calm and pleasant journey, but sometimes it can sound a little more like this. 
In November, Irish Rail introduced a quiet coach on its Cork to Dublin service for customers' comfort, especially those with sensory issues. However, staff told the company they were met with confrontation when they told some passengers to lower their voice. Some customers felt the coach should be completely silent, even noting an incident where children with disabilities were creating noise by rocking and shouting. Communication manager with Irish Rail, Barry Kenny, says these are just teething issues. It's like the time we, you know, we were bringing in seat reservations first as well. People get used to it, they, they understand uh, the principles behind it and it is about giving customers choice and, and giving a better customer service. But for these passengers at Dublin's Houston station, excessive noise in any carriage is a problem. Playing videos and stuff really loud, that's interesting, but <laughs> I survive. Don't blast your music on the train, <laughs> use the headphones as long as it's obviously not like leaking out because you will get someone who has like a pair of headphones and you can still hear it blasting through the train. Match days and concerts were particularly difficult for staff as passengers getting on board were not adhering to the quiet coach rules. Marie Cleary there reporting from, well, she was in Houston Station and that does affect the Cork to Dublin train uh, where if you ever have got on those quiet carriages, they're not quiet, but also here and there from people who spoke to her who said all carriages aren't quiet and I'm sure if you travel on the train a lot or have got on in the past, you will have some instances of somebody playing a game loudly or someone on YouTube and it blaring out or music blaring or people are roaring and shouting or phones going off or someone having a conversation loudly on a phone. The joy of sharing with others on a train and thanks to Marie for that report and we've a lot of emails in on different issues first of all this is from Eileen now we have got back to Eileen we've given her the advice on this but uh, she's looking for how she goes about in getting home help she's finding it very hard to get around and also finding it tough to receive home help now we have given her uh, details for the home help service from the HSC uh, and you can go online to the HSC website and you can fill out a form online or download a form to be sent away and if you are unable to do that you can get a family member or a good neighbour to do that for you and also there are private companies who offer home help services as well if there is anybody else who has any further information on how you can go and get home help uh, or maybe ways around this to speed up the process let us know we'll pass those on to Eileen as I said we have already given her uh, some options um, in particular the HSC service and then an email from Norma in Bandon who says I was walking around Bandon yesterday and I was delighted to see ESB boxes and other areas painted with well-known faces of people from and around the Bandon area and West Cork area in general who have gone off and done well for themselves or indeed found fame. I have also spotted this in Cork City and in Waterford but it's great to see it in the town of Bandon and she mentions on the painting and these are I'm sure people in Bandon would have seen them and elsewhere like Norma says a lot of the cities have these as well those uh, ESB junction boxes is that what they call them the ESB box uh, many of these are repainted and there can be different items painted on it well um, the ones in Bandon uh, like in many parts of the city but in Bandon they had the likes of Conor Horahan well known uh, soccer player uh, Claire O'Leary of course and also Phil Healy all from the world of sports and they're painted uh, with print on these boxes and Norma saying it's great it also uh, improves the image of the town rather than having these great boxes lying around the town it does make the place look colourful so Norma is saying well done uh, to one involved there Norma emailing us in Bandon and um, it's the work and I've I've seen some of these there's one actually located just around the corner from our C103 studio in Bandon on Weir Street but it's the artist Audrey Cantlin she's responsible for this so well done to her and to all I'm sure there's a, a, a grouping of people in Bandon behind this as well uh, from the Toddy Towns but I know Margaret McQuaid who we've spoken to over the years 
on this show and who always contacts us with different going-ons in the Bandon area. Uh, she's of Creative Bandon uh, and she was one of the ones involved with getting this underway and the ESB were delighted because they gave them permission to use their boxes. So there we are. Well done to all there in Bandon. Uh, it's good to see initiatives like that not only happening in our city but also in our towns right across Cork County. Now on the way, if you are a parent and you're juggling work and home life, we're going to speak with one parent who decided to go online, set up a group and find like-thinking parents to help her out and will be going to the movies also uh, with Mark. That and more to come between now and one. Uh, Trevor Welch is here tomorrow with Premier League Live. It's back on C103.ie and this Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sports, they'll have live coverage of Aston Villa taking on Newcastle at 12.30, Chelsea and Brighton at 3 and Man City taking on Leicester City at 5.30. The Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen tomorrow on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. A fundraising music night is going to be held tonight in Butlerstown Hall. It starts at 8.30. Local musicians will be playing on the night and all musicians are welcome to attend. It's an age of the Maloney family from the Barry Row area who lost their home in a fire recently. And Ballandangan players, they present Calendar Girls. It's going ahead tonight in Ballandangan Community Centre. It opens tonight and it runs up until next Wednesday and it runs at 8 o'clock every night. If you want tickets, you can get them from 025-24753. Bingo tonight at the GAA Complex in Mallow. It starts at 8.15pm and the jackpot there is €5,800. And a screening of Araglin and Liam Lynch, a revolutionary connection that will be screened in the Arlington Community Hall. It's going ahead tonight at 8 o'clock and there'll be refreshments also on the night. And Mallow Athletic Club, they are starting to begin their couch to 5k and that will go ahead and start next Tuesday night and they'll be training every Tuesday and Thursday night from 7pm and indeed on Saturday mornings at 10am. If you want to take part, you can register now by emailing the club, club Club at gmail.com that's Club at gmail.com if you want to get involved there uh, you'll get membership and indeed a t-shirt as well for the Couch to 5k if you want to include your event in the Cork Diary just email diary at c103.ie email Patricia now with your story or comment Cork today at c103.ie today on C103. The Easter break for many is coming to an end as school is back from Monday but while children may dread going back to school parents can dread it more so as they try to juggle work, school and collection and after school activities and that is why so many turn to online groups for advice and help and Sasha Hamrock set up one of these online parenting groups after a number of years. She joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you Sasha. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for joining us. Uh, many people dip into these groups but find this may not suit them or they go from being you know, too relaxed to angry. So sure. where did you decide to set up uh, your group and were you in this category whereby family were far away or you just needed a bit of advice and help but not to be too judged on what you were asking? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So um, I set the group up about a year after I had my daughter. So I had my daughter and um, I found that, you know, those first few months when I was on maternity leave were really blissful. My purpose was clear. I had to look after this gorgeous little baby. But after 
when I went back to work was when I really found myself in sort of a pressure point saying, I'm not sure how to manage all this. I feel like I need to be an octopus. I'm not an octopus. So how am I going to juggle all these different things? And I guess my first port of call was um, maybe I needed to crowdsource the information and ask other women how they were doing it. Uh, my own parents had passed away before I had my children. So there was kind of a, a need to create a village where there wasn't one. Um, and so I set up a group that was specifically about uh, balancing motherhood and career. And I think because the group is so specific that it is about juggling all those different things and trying to figure out how to do it, I think that it, it has become a very supportive and positive place. Some of the other groups didn't really work for me because they were more attached to kind of firm ideologies, you know, gentle parenting, or you do it this way or you do it that way. And I wasn't particularly attached to any identity with it. I just wanted some practical advice. Yeah. And as you mentioned there, if people aren't nearby, it is somewhere to go where you realise you can get some type of advice out of this without people asking too many questions. And over the last five years, you have over 4,000 members have signed up to this group. Just what's the group called on Facebook, by the way? It's called Mama's Working 9 to 5 and Beyond. And I made sure to call to say and beyond because really everyone's welcome. And I wanted to make sure that everyone felt that they were welcome. All mothers are working mothers. Um, so it's really important to me that everyone feels like they can join um, because there's something to be learned, you know, in, you know, for everyone. And a lot of the issues we receive here to the show uh, would be to do with guilt and parent guilt or mom guilt, whereby, yeah. for example, going back to work, as you mentioned, and having to push the child or children in a crash and you're, you're driving away you just get that feeling that you've done something wrong when you haven't you have to go and, and work and so does the father or the other half to pay the bills and pay the mortgage uh, but th- yeah. th- that does come into it the guilt factor it's such a real thing that women are talking about all the time. It comes up in our group all the time. It comes up in my conversations with my friends all the time. And it's something that I'm really trying to challenge in my life a little bit. Women have such deeply high expectations of themselves as mothers and what they, they can do. And, and sometimes it's just it's unachievable. It's the undoable. It's the things that we just we have to be kinder to ourselves. And I think through the support in groups like this, people are saying to one another, it's OK to look after yourself. It's OK to take some time to make sure that your cup is full so that when you are with your children and when you are at work, that you are able to enjoy these things um, because people are run so ragged trying to balance it all that they rarely, I think, have time to, to take care of themselves. And you mentioned there run ragged. I mean, if you are in work and everybody has a day of pressure or there's something coming up where you're just under immense pressure in work, but you also could be in work trying to solve a massive issue. You get a call, something's gone wrong at home. Uh, I mean, trying to get advice on what you do in that situation because while some employers are great, some may feel at a time of need in the workplace, you've let them down. Yeah, and I think that's what—that's the exact kind of question that might come up in this group. So it would be other mothers saying how they tackled something like that previously in their workplace or how they dealt with it at home. They might suggest different ideas around someone to pick up for, from childcare. I mean, simple, very straightforward ideas. Or they might just send a message of support saying, God, that sounds really stressful. I'm so sorry. I hope you get some time tonight to, to relax and unwind. And even just those messages alone, it, it makes people feel heard. Um, I think people really do need to feel heard. Sometimes just the stress of it all. And the, the group definitely is a place where women um, vent in such a way as to say, look, I feel alone in this. Is there anybody else out there that's also feeling this way? And within your group, is it respectful? Do people, if they don't agree with something that was said, is it said <laughs> in a way where the people are, are honest, but they're also supportive? 
I think that's the thing I'm most proud of about this group. This group of women are so incredible. It is such a positive and respectful corner of the internet. And I know that's not true for all, For I know that's not true for the internet in general, especially these days. But I think for some reason, I think women who are in this position, who are trying to balance motherhood and career, are very respectful of one another because they know just how difficult this is. And so they do really honor one another. And I have rarely, if ever, seen uh, any disrespect in the comments or the conversations. Anna, one of our texters, is saying she probably will join your group now shortly, but she has is on one of these groups. She does find it helpful. Her mother lives 50 miles away, so that option isn't available to her if she needs somebody to look after her child at the last minute or something goes wrong. The advice is great. It's really reassurance uh, mothers are looking for, uh, is what Anna is saying. And uh, Michael, agreeing with Anna, says, even though it's aimed, and we're speaking about mothers here, fathers also get that guilt when they're away or because everybody's working different five days a week or six days a week now he gets the guilt when he can't attend one of his son's football matches or basketball practice because he may have to work he works in an environment where he is asked to work on Saturdays so everybody has a different level of interaction on the group and and different issues themselves I think and I think it's great to hear to hear dads talking about that feeling, too. I think the the more we talk about these things, the more Mm. we have the conversations around feeling guilty, the better off we all will be because we can reassure one another that it's okay and that we're doing a good job. And when you mentioned there, then there's a great group of women in this. I mean, you're the main admin of this Facebook group. So when you speak about juggling work and life and your own children there, are you also juggling this group then in the evening to make sure that people (laughs) that go on the group are who say who they are and are the right people and you're watching that no one is you know saying something they shouldn't say either on the group oh yeah it is part i mean something i'm passionate about something i i love so i'm I'm happy to do it i do have help um with other moderators who help me out as well who have been wonderful to you know to, to donate their time to do that as well but I will say this has been quite easy because people are very respectful. Um, the one thing that I suppose takes time is there's a lot of anonymous comments that are um, that I have to um, admin, I suppose. So I have to approve those. And I'm really glad that that option is there because it gives women the opportunity to put in questions without any fear of someone they know potentially um, recognizing them. And it gives them the chance to ask things that they might be a little bit worried about asking, whether it be employment rights or work status or maybe wanting to change jobs. So that would be the one thing that's the most time consuming but I think it's extremely valuable and while people interact on this site do you well they obviously make friends online but do they ever have personal meetups you know, we haven't done it to date for this group, but I think post-COVID, now that we're out the other side of it, I would love to see us potentially set something up for women returning from maternity leave, because I think that's a really sort of an important moment. Um, when women are returning from maternity leave, they have so many questions about what it's going to be like. They have fears they want to express. They want to hear from other people who've done it before them. So I think that would be something that would be really valuable to do in person. So I'm hoping that that's something that we can evolve into as the time goes on. And while you've this set up for for working mothers and people who are trying to juggle everything and and worried about what they should do or what they they should not do, is it tough then to set up one of these Facebook groups? I mean, I know you work in the area of digital. You you work in our Dublin studio overseeing the the digital output of our network of radio stations here in Ireland. But is it something that is tough to do or did you find it? Did you think it would be tougher uh, setting all this up? 
I think my big fear, like any anybody out there, was that no one would join. You know, you mm. start something, yeah. and you think, oh, God, <laughs> yeah. no one's going to join. I'll be the only one here. But it, over the years, it's just grown and grown and grown. So I think I would encourage anyone who feels like they have something that they a community that they would like to start. I think doing it online is a great option. I think um, it takes time to build that community, but it's very worthwhile. Well, it's great to hear everybody is so positive and respectful in that group online. And, and that's certainly a positive thing. Well done to you, Sasha. I mean, 4,000 members and, and growing over five years is a huge achievement while you're juggling your own life as well. So well done for setting it up. And I see a lot of texts in here from people who will hopefully be joining after this because they're in a situation where they themselves are, are trying to achieve everything in their own life while uh, running back and forth. And as they say, in the rat race, as Marie says here, uh, while trying to collect the child while in work. For the moment, Sasha, thanks for joining us and best of luck to you. Thank you very much. Take care. Sasha Hamrog there joining us. Her Facebook group, if you want to sign up and join, it's called Mamas Working 9 to 5 and Beyond. You'll find that under the grouping section on Facebook. And best of, Sasha, best of luck to Sasha with that. Uh, now, we mentioned briefly there, as we did earlier on in the show, regarding the Angela Spells and why some people felt they should be removed from TV. Now, the majority of people feel it should stay. It reflects Ireland and it reflects uh, a peace and it reflects the fact that it's not all religious and it's a time out. But a busy lifestyle we all lead it's just simply a one minute of a time out on a public service broadcaster people don't like that they should go elsewhere is what the majority of people are saying Nora in your market on that says no uh, keep it on TV what has gone wrong with all uh, the world uh, I can hear the bells at my local church ringing at 12 noon and 2pm every day but I suppose people want to get rid of that as well uh, we hear the bells of the Angelus and like other people have said Nora in your market said it brings so much peace and turns our mind to prayer for just a couple of minutes and then helping Eileen on email uh, where we mentioned on where she can go to get home help support Michael saying uh, the lady there Eileen uh, Michael obviously in the know says she will need to be assessed by a public health nurse and then may need a GP report as well he recommends her contacting her local health centre is the best approach so hopefully Eileen the local health centre and that option for Michael and also the HSC website giving you the details of forms where you can download an application form or indeed fill it out online uh, for HSC home help or going to one of the private operators and we have got back to Eileen as well and, and let her know of, of those options so thank you for your calls and texts on that regarding the train which we touched on there and the loud noise on many trains that uh, drive some people mad especially on the carriage which is supposed to be a quiet carriage well uh, somebody here on text saying my pet hate is people with free travel who don't book a seat but feel it's okay to sit in the seat I booked because 90% of them say it's uh, well this person saying 90% of them are elderly so it's very hard to ask someone to move you feel bad because of their age so this is that person on text saying those with free travel make sure you look up over the seats first and look at the name uh, because it may be a booked seat and finally for the person who rang us yesterday afternoon spoke with Bernie and he got a, a call from a private number and it was a, a person telling him that his wife was having an affair and they were telling him in a nice friendly way and they were saying we are saying this to you as a friend and then they went off the line and it's been playing on the person's mind and he wanted to know does he say this to his wife or not because it could have been a prank but maybe it's not and it's playing on his mind well, the majority of people for you listening say you need to say this to your wife, explain what happens and say it not in a challenging way, but maybe just say, I just got a missed call there yesterday from a private number. And guess what? They asked me, 
are you having an affair? And leave it at that. But watch the reaction everybody is saying. Watch the initial reaction from your wife. If it is playing on your mind, it's playing on your mind for a reason. And that's the advice there we got back for uh, that man who rang us yesterday afternoon. And time to head to the movies. Mark Malone joins us as usual on a Friday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, John Paul. And I mentioned uh, for those who thought Super Mario was after retiring, he's not. He's back out with a new movie. You're going to review that shortly, Mark. Just here's a trailer first on the Super Mario Brothers movie. My army! Soon we will destroy the Mushroom Kingdom! Nervous? I fear nothing. You want to do this? It is on like Donkey Kong! Cool raccoon suit! Really? Not at all! So Super Mario and the gang are all still around, Mark. Uh, what, obviously, this movie is on another one of his adventures with his brothers. Uh, yeah. Interesting to know, did you play any of these games at any stage yeah. by any chance? Yeah, we did. They, they were you, out on, uh, I can't think of the console. Was it Sega or one of the other ones? But uh, yeah, I remember playing those and they're still available. There's, there's newer versions every year uh, being released for him. Yeah, I think it's Nintendo is, oh, is, uh, is yeah. uh, who produced it. Yeah, even even I did actually play some of these games as well back in uh, the day. Um, I did Mario Kart. And I played a bit of Donkey Kong as well, and um, I wasn't a huge gamer, but just, you know, I know some of uh, you know the 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 the, the uh, some of the events on screen that I was watching. I could relate to the games that I had played. Um, and the thing is that back in 1993, I think Nintendo decided. Well, that for the very first time ever, actually, it was the first time a game had been made into a movie. So they decided to make a Super Mario Brothers film, Bob Hoskins. Um, but the thing is that the film died and made it bombs completely. And so this is the first time since that they've decided to get involved in making a movie. The interesting thing about that first movie is that Bob Hoskins didn't even know what film he was making. And uh, basically all he did was uh, decide that he would make this movie without knowing what, what it was all about, uh, believe it or not. And... Um, Oh, we just lost Mark there. Uh, we'll get back to him again so that he can continue to tell us about Super Mario Brothers, uh, which he was telling us about there. He has another movie as well that he will review today, and this is called Murder Mysteries. But we're back to Mark shortly to see if he will connect with us, and he hasn't. Uh, no, Mark, I'm able to connect back to Mark. Well, he was going to talk about another movie, Murder Mysteries, but I'm not too sure if he will be able to or not, if we can't connect to him. Uh, I will continue back with Mark. We have uh, a number of emails in, if I just go over here and grab them while we wait for Mark. And this is to do with scam calls. And there's an, actually a new survey today in the paper about that, but more so there's a challenge on for companies who are being asked to look at their phone network and see if they can actually deal with the issue of scam calls. So the companies like Vodafone or like 3 and those, they now are being called in to see can they combat phone scams. And there's a number of them which are doing the rounds again. We heard yesterday from a caller who uh, wasn't it. Um, Marie was on to us looking for and, and telling us and Ellen and Bannon colleague also about the eFlow system and the eFlow scam techs that are doing the rounds. They are still doing the rounds at the moment. Uh, but with this, this, this new news and information today, it seems like uh, Comreg and the National Cyber Security Centre and indeed bodies like the Gardaí 
that they uh, will be working with the likes of the phone companies uh, and along with uh, banks and state institutions to see if they can track these people down uh, who are claiming and getting sensitive, sensitive personal information. Now, the most recent annual report, and this was from Fraudsmart, it claimed that fraudsters stole 45 million in the second half of 2021. Now, that's up 37% on the same period in 2022. And then when we go out and we all tap on our cards, well, there we are. I know a lot of people are saying we shouldn't be tapping our cards as much and we should be relying more on, on cash. And, and maybe they have a valid argument when you see uh, this situation because debit and credit card fraud amounted to 14.5 million euros in 2022. Uh, that was a 18.5% increase on the same period uh, 12 months later. So there is a, a, a calling, I suppose, for us not to uh, be using debit and credit cards. Some would say when you see fraud increasing in them, and then the regulator has identified a number of fake scams, and this is to do with another call we got earlier this week: uh, bogus spoofing. So uh, this is where your phone number, whatever your phone number is. Uh, you get a call or someone gets a call claiming to be from you but it's not you at all it's actually someone taking your number and using it and that is on the increase again and we only got a number of calls this week regarding that and I'm not sure why it went away and came back because the companies again were supposed to look into this but they did not so uh, that is another issue that the guarantee now will have to look into also regarding the scams text messages as we outlined with the e-flow uh, they are doing the rounds as well and phishing which continues so there's a lot there going on bogus emails which is a a big issue uh, in regards similar to the text but one we got from and this was from Margaret who says I received a call yesterday claiming to be from Revenue it was quite a threatening call Uh, they were saying that I would end up going to court and more and then what was worse was I met my neighbour who is an elderly person and actually was scared at the call she thought she had done something wrong Uh, and Margaret's outlined the call to us but better still we actually have the call recording here because a similar call came to our work phone uh, a number of weeks ago. So for those of you who may be receiving calls and may be receiving uh, those uh, scam calls claiming to be from revenue, do ignore them. But this is what they will sound like. Here's uh, an example from one we got uh, to one of the phones here over the last few weeks, just to be aware of this. Tax and customs, please press one to speak with our tax agent. We have found some mistake in your tax filing and your tax letter got returned back from your mailing address. To get more information about this case please, press 1 and we are filing a legal case against you for tax fraud and issuing an arrest warrant. Kindly press 1 immediately and speak to our tax representatives. Now you can clearly hear by that it's not a human speaking on the phone it's clearly a computer generated voice but at the same time it is scaring a lot of people and Margaret felt when she got it first she actually did stop and think what is this about but it was her neighbour she was more worried about because she thought something actually was wrong and that maybe did she owe revenue money so ignore if you hear that type of message on your phone and tell people as well just ignore them they are doing the rounds at the moment as is that scam text uh, claiming to be from eFlow saying you owe the money uh, but interesting that now the phone companies that we all pay for our services like Air like Vodafone like 3 they now uh, will have to be involved and they will have to uh, combat the increase of phone scams uh, which continue right across the country and just to wish everybody in Cove the best of luck because this Sunday it will mark the 111th anniversary of the sinking of Titanic and there's going to be a public ceremony and that will happen in Cove uh, this coming Sunday 
Sunday, of course, its last um, setting sail from the last destination was Cove. It was called Queenstown at the time. And at 2.30 in the centre of the town at the Titanic Memorial in uh, Pier Square, that's where they will commemorate on this coming Sunday. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Have a great weekend and we'll chat to you also back here uh, next Monday at 10 a.m. with Cork Today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.